0: See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely. Positively. FedEx.
1: There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., and each week we focus on their stories. This is CBS Ion on Veterans. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs reporting for ConnectingVets.com. And today we're going to start off the show with a look at the organization, Military Veterans in Journalism, and their latest effort to stop the cycle of hateful disinformation that seems to be part of most people's daily social media experience. From hostile articles to hate groups that target military vets and encourage Americans to hate their fellow Americans, it's a problem that seems to get bigger every year. And here to discuss how hiring veterans to be investigative reporters is MVJ co-founder and U.S. Navy veteran Zach Baddorf. Zach, how are you, bud? Great. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. Last time I saw you, we were in a conference room in Washington, D.C. And for Veterans Day, we held a little seminar there. And keynote speaker was none other than our fellow Navy veteran. Bob Woodward, legendary journalist, I want to thank you for that introduction, because wasn't that cool? We could ask him anything we wanted during the Q&A.
2: It was really fantastic. You know, military veterans in journalism, we've only been around since 2019, but we've been very lucky to have some great supporters and advocates. And there are some military veterans in, jur- in journalism who are prominent. You, just, you don't normally hear that Bob Woodward was in the Navy, but he was. There are a few other folks, and we're working to uh, get more and more, a new generation of vets in media.
1: Thank you for introducing me to the legend. And uh, thank you for the work we're getting ready to talk about now. Misinformation, disinformation, everybody's throwing sound bites and quotes around. You guys have a plan, a program, and have unleashed some journalists on the front lines to be combating disinformation. Before we get into what specifically MVJ is doing, I want to talk a little bit about your background. Navy veteran, we said at the top, but uh, tell me a bit about yourself.
2: Right out of high school, I joined the Navy and I insisted to my recruiter that I join as a journalist. And I was lucky enough to get a spot. I went to um, boot camp, then to our A school, our training. Uh, for a year at Fort Meade, Maryland. And then uh, I was really, really lucky to have an assignment based in Japan, Dakota Air Base Japan, working at an American Forces Network FM TV station. So I covered news about the military for the military across the Pacific. So I went to places like Nepal, Alaska, Guam, Philippines, traveled throughout Japan. I mean, it was just an incredible experience and um, I learned a lot. I got a lot of great technical skills uh, doing these these storytelling about the military, primarily video and radio, as well as in print. And uh, and I was on a ship for a few years as well, floating around the Middle East. But, you know, I decided that my time was through. I was ready for a new challenge. And I got out of the military after my five years of service and decided that I wanted to work in journalism, period, you know, out out outside of the, the military. And uh, it was a very, very rough road to get into journalism. The transition was tough. Uh, I applied for dozens and dozens of jobs across the country and really just failed. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a network. I didn't know what I was doing. And so eventually, not a soft story, I succeeded at the end of the day and worked on and off in journalism for about 15 some years. Most recently, I lived and reported from the Central African Republic where I was filing for the New York Times, Associated Press, The Guardian, all sorts of great outlets, primarily focusing on foreign affairs, national security work. And I also was informally mentoring other vets who wanted to get into media. So was my co-founder, Russell Midori, who's a former Marine. So we thought that maybe there was some need for us to bring our community together, create some opportunities, and we founded Military Veterans and Journalism in 2019. It's been an incredible ride. Uh, we have fellowships. We have a mentorship program. We have uh, an entrepreneurial journalism program. We've done all sorts of training, and uh, we've got many vets employed. It's like become a passion project for me, and um, I'm really glad to be on here talking to you about this work as well as a new program we have.
1: Right on! You're a Dinfo's trained killer, just like me, man. What's going on, buddy, my fellow <laughs> DTK over there?
2: Exactly. Good
1: stuff. I'm glad to hear about how you are working to insert veterans and keep them in the pipeline in the talent pipeline that's going into these newsrooms, because as you and I have both seen, you know, in News media and traditional journalism, you know, there's a lot of people with big, fancy degrees and big, comfy background lifestyles. You know, I mean, if you're going to be a journalist, you know, you not might not make a whole lot on the front end. And what ends up happening is the newsrooms are full of people from really nice zip codes and sons and daughters of great families. And you don't get the kind of individual that has actually served in the military. And then they go into NATSEC reporting or defense reporting, and they don't really have that connection.
2: Newsrooms across America should be representative of America, and the reality is that they're not. You know, we've we've looked at census data. We've seen that um, roughly 7.5% of Americans have served in the armed forces. If you look at journalists across the country, only 2% of them have served in the military. So vast disparity there. And as you said, there's a lot of benefits for the, the newsrooms, for the news consumers for everybody, for society to have more vets in journalism.
1: Now, one of the things we're getting ready to do and we're going to talk about now is MVJ's effort to ensure that newsrooms have the ability to counter Some of the disinformation, some of the misinformation that is, frankly, I don't want to say ripping America apart and democracies at risk. But, I mean, let's face it. It's making arguments on social media. It's making people hateful. I mean, hell, it's making families disagree over holiday dinners and not talk to each other. And it's being fueled by a lot of things people are consuming on social media and in articles and journalism that they see here and read every day. You've got a background in countering jihadist ideology and researching Russian disinformation. Talk to me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So um, over the past 20 uh, some years or so, I've stayed working within the national security field more broadly. And I got working with an organization called the International Center for the Study of Violent Extremism. And so we've effectively work to counter ISIS and Al Shabaab propaganda. And, um, that meant going to, um, Northeast Syria to interview, uh, former extremists and use their voices to share the reality of what it was like to be in ISIS because ISIS put out superb propaganda. They were excellent at selling the story, um, the life, um, and convincing people to come from the United States, from Belgium, from the Philippines. They had dozens and dozens of nationalities of people flocking, as we remember, um, to Syria and Iraq during that primary time period. And their propaganda was a big part in convincing people to come and to support their movement. So we we took we flipped it on its head. We took people who were actually there. And we shared the stories of what life under the ISIS was like, how they're un-Islamic, how uh, they're brutal, how uh, their leaders were corrupt, all these sort of things. And we created what's known as counter narratives and then share them specifically in in jihadi corners of the Web on telegram chats, signal chats, things like that to try to convince them that, hey, um, you know, maybe you should reconsider. Maybe you should think about it. Look at some different information. Be critical of what information you're consuming. We know that there is a problem of extremist groups, uh, white supremacist groups. So the idea was to sort of learn from what I, what I learned countering jihadist ideology, to sort of fight back.
1: Describe the problem that exists right now as you see it.
2: The flow, the constant flow of information is so dramatically increased over the past decades, even. It's tough for people to know what to trust. And that's why you saw Russia, for example, going after different communities and pushing them with extremist messaging, trying to divide people, trying to... Create a rift within our country between different communities, facing groups together, even creating events where they're one one across the street from each other, physical events. Um, And it just it goes just goes to show the power of how information and communication and media can have real world impact. And, you know, this this information, it's not like it's a new thing. It's been going on for millennia. Um, it's just the form in which it's happening it's so easy and it's so cheap to create it it is much harder to counter disinformation because you're you're fighting against a, a wave of of hate basically in many different ways and exploitation of people and distorting information so we need to come together as a whole of society but that's why this project in particular we're bringing in tech companies like Google to give us ads. We're focusing very specifically on the military veteran community and working with Military.com, Task and Purpose, Military Times, as well as the Associated Press. And we're working with groups that other also have exceptional expertise on countering violent extremism.
1: Can you give me a cause and effect situation or an example where disinformation contributed to something and... You know, I'll throw out the big one there that I think we all think of, and that's January 6th. But how do I differentiate disinformation from, say, a highly politicized, polarized viewpoint coming from one alphabet news network? Have you seen Mm -hmm. in a smaller level an example of somebody that was misinformed to then go out and do something horrible?
2: That is a fantastic question. and it's very difficult to differentiate between what is disinformation and what is not, what is just a political viewpoint. And I think it's important that we attempt to differentiate between them. I, I would say that for us, when when we think about disinformation more broadly, within the field of study in this area, some would argue that, and I and I'm among them, that disinformation does not necessarily have to be inaccurate. Uh, it it is about the intent of the information, how you want to persuade people to act. So when we go, when we talk about disinformation and extremism, even the word extremism is a difficult thing to define. What is extreme? Are we talking about Antifa? Are we talking about Patriot Front? Are we talking about QAnon? I would argue that all three of those groups are extreme and have acted with and have had resulted in violent extremist actions and anti-democratic, but, you know, I think that it's a tough challenge and it's kind of it's, you know, there's that saying about pornography. I know it when I see it in terms of defining it. I think that's it's sort of a case by case basis. So it's tough to really define it. But um, I will say that, you know, looking at the Central African Republic as an example of the power of disinformation. We saw how the information environment there was permeated by the Russians, by the Wagner Group, and that led to real-world consequences where they're now exploiting the mines there for many millions of dollars. They are embedded within the national security environment of the government. Um, they have hundreds, if not thousands, of troops rolling around and, and being involved in the conflict there. So that's not what we have in the United States, to be clear, but there are real threats to more and more people being exploited to create and join these sort of groups that act on their on their extremism.
1: So as the war on terrorism is now being fought online in all social media spaces, military veterans in journalism and their media partners are searching for vets to join the fight.
2: We just launched a few days ago, and we are in the process of hiring. So if you're interested in being an investigative reporter or a beat reporter on this new project hit up mvj.network and you'll see the the job postings there we're hoping that the we've got some training in mind as well that we'll be working to make sure the reporters are, are have the skills that they need to go after and report on the, these groups uh, and then after that we um will be off to the races and the reporting will will start flowing we NBJ are maintaining an editorial independence from this. We don't want to have our hand in any of that so that the outlet, Military Times, is can do what it needs to do. So our our idea and our concept behind this is to make sure that we get the the best quality reporting that we can on these extremist groups and what they're what they're doing to target and exploit our veterans and our active duty service members. We feel like we've got a good structure in place and we're excited to see how it unfolds.
1: To recap, we're going to hire. We're in the process of hiring full-time journalists to be working with Military Times. That will be doing investigative reporting that will help us understand better how disinformation and groups are acting on social media real time, right now, today, to basically pollute our brains.
2: That's a great summation. Said it better than me. I got. I got to quote you on the on the website. <laughs>
1: I'm normally paid to keep a brief and I never do, so that's my <laughs> that's my best attempt to kind of wrap up in summation everything. But there's a lot going on and uh uh really do respect my friends over at Military Times. Leo Shane, I know, has been on the hill for uh, years and uh despite his poor taste in sports, he does a great job in uh <laughs> It's a dig at Philly right there. Uh, despite his poor of sports, he does a hell of a job reporting on the military community. And I think this is really cool because you are targeting through military times a certain demographic. What is it about the military veteran that you feel is necessary that we preach to them rather than, I don't know, the mainstream media out there or the those followers of the alphabet letter networks? How come military times and how come targeting on the veteran community especially?
2: Well, that's what we know, right? you're a vet, I'm a vet. We know this community. We know what uh, sort of information is needed. We also know it's a particular threat, right? We know that these groups are going after them. They want to take advantage of uh, the perceived credibility, patriotism, professionalism, the leadership that veterans have, broadly speaking, and they want to bring that into their groups and um, to, to bolster the, their power. So really, that's not what we want. So we want to counter what they're up to. And, um, also, I think it's important when you counter disinformation to have a very specific audience.
1: And frankly, you mentioned it too with the veterans, our respectability, the, you know, the honor and uh, the reverence people have for those that have served. Well, it gives them a platform. So when they're quoting stuff on social media, people are like, oh, look, well, that guy was a lieutenant general. Y- you know what? Talk about a feather in QAnon's cap when they had military veterans all buy into this. Man, I agree. Starting in the veteran community could be a pretty savvy strategy to stop this because, Mm -hmm. you know, those Yahoo's should never be able to hijack the honor, the respect that real Patriots, real American veterans have. Where do I get more information? If I know somebody that wants to get involved in this, maybe be a beat reporter for you, or just want to find out more about what's going on. Tell me more about MVJ and how I can see about this forthcoming campaign and Things you'll be doing with Military Times.
2: Thank you. We've got a pretty snazzy website, www.mvj.network. Hit us up on there. There's plenty of contact information. We've got a blog, uh, as well that describes the project and you'll see more and more, uh, come out about this project as it, as it develops. So we've got an email list as well, uh, which is on the bottom, I think, of most of our, our pages. So, We'd be excited to to have you follow along with us as this develops.
1: All right, Zach Badorf, U.S. Navy veteran and leader there with military veterans in journalism. Man, I can't thank you enough for everything you guys are doing. You are a disinformation assassin. You're out there trying to take it down (laughs) one stupid meme, one fake article at a time. And uh, man, I can't thank you enough for everything you do.
2: I got to update my Twitter profile now. That's, That's my new title.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcast starting May 8th. Access episodes early and ad-free with 48 hours plus on Apple Podcasts, starting May 1st. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear
2: in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.